I'm Brent McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, I'll tell you how it's better late than never when it comes to watching the Emmy-winning best drama, The Handmaid's Tale. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review a couple of movies, Justice League and Murder on the Orient Express. Plus... Is it time to start Christmas shopping yet? We'll give you a couple of home video gift ideas. First, it's the news... From the couch. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! We could soon get the further adventures of Aragorn with a new Lord of the Rings TV series in the works over at Amazon. Well, as it turns out, it would be the previous adventures of Aragorn, as the series will be set before the events of Lord of the Rings. Not clear, though, if it'll also be pre-Hobbit. Amazon is sinking a ton of money into it. They've, uh, believe they've already paid $250 million just for the TV rights. Are you frightened? Yes, not nearly frightened enough. Yeah, they should be frightened. That's a lot of cabbage to lay on the line without even any sort of development underway. But clearly, they want the next Game of Thrones, and Lord of the Rings is an even better established title. Of course, what it doesn't have that Game of Thrones has is bloody, bloody, blood and nudity. Is what it does have. It also has the Oliphants. Mr. Frodo! Seriously though, I'm stoked for this. I like Game of Thrones just fine, but frankly I don't really care what happens in the end to most of those characters. Lord of the Rings was very different. It had a lot of actual heart in it all around with the good guys. For all the great battle scenes and the funky monsters they fought, my favorite scene in the whole trilogy was Frodo and Gandalf talking during some downtime in the Mines of Moria. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. The other great thing is that Middle-earth is already so well established, there are maps, a vast history has been woven through the novels and the appendices, there are all sorts of very different peoples and beings throughout very different landscapes, easy to imagine an ongoing series of adventures involving any manner of characters. Something I'm looking forward to, could be a while yet though, no details whatsoever as to when we may get to take a look. In the common tongue it says, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. One ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, find them all. want to look like little trees, a little closer to us, but living very far away. Very far away. Just touch it. All you're doing is putting a little line of paint, and then you lift it upward. Could not be simpler. There. There, that's all there is to it. <laughs> God, that is so relaxing. Oh my God, it is. Remember Bob Ross? <laughs> the joy of painting. His giant curly hair. Yes. This week, 
Hollywood's first R-rated superhero, Deadpool, released a new teaser for his sequel. Hello there. Welcome back. I'm glad you could join me today. Let's just drive right in and run all the colors across the screen that you'll need to paint along with me. I have my regular old canvas here, wet and ready to go. And for the most part, he's dressed up like Bob Ross, complete with the wig, and he's painting. Now, let's grab our trusty two-inch brush here. Whack that off real good. Just beat it like it owes you money. We're going to get a little dab of our yellow snow here. We're going to mix that with just another little dab of our Betty White. Now, let's just dance in a happy little sky. Now remember, this is your world. You get to make and break the rules here. It's actually a pretty good impression from Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, though through Bob Ross and Deadpool, you too can experience the joy of painting, like he is with this winter wonderland he's created. Wish I could jump in there and roll around in all that cascading white powder. Yeah, just get high in all of life's splendor. God, I love cocaine. So much. Holy f- knuckles, I am high as a kite right now. Okay. <laughs> Eventually we get a 10 second montage of footage from the film. If you don't know, by the way, who Deadpool is, he is a Marvel Comics character, a mutant with the ability to quickly heal, and he likes to talk to you through the screen. The first movie debuted in February 2016 was a huge hit, obliterating all expectations for an R-rated comic book film, earning $783 million worldwide. The new one co-stars Josh Brolin as the popular character Cable, and it opens June 1st, 2018. Would you look at that? It seems like we have ourselves a finished painting. So from our family to yours, keep your pants dry, your dreams wet, and remember, hugs not drugs. Hey, uh, who thought of the name Titanic? Was it you, Bruce? Well, yes, actually. I wanted to convey sheer size, and size means stability, luxury, and above all, strength. Do you know of Dr. Freud, Mr. Ismay? His ideas about the male preoccupation with size might be of particular interest to you. Freud, who is he? Is he a passenger? That's a clip from the Poseidon Adventure. No, obviously it's Titanic, which celebrates its 20th anniversary next month, and will be released in theaters for one week because it hasn't made enough money yet. It has actually made over two and a half billion dollars worldwide at this point. It was the number one movie of all time from 1997 until 2009's Avatar beat it. If you've never heard of it, Titanic was a giant ship from a hundred years ago that was thought to be unsinkable. It hit an iceberg and sank. As she goes down by the head, the water will spill over the tops of the bulkheads. At Edek, from one to the next, back and back. There's no stopping it. The pumps. If we open the, the door... The pumps by your time. But minutes only. From this moment, no matter what we do, Titanic will founder. But this ship can't sink. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. And she will. It is a mathematical certainty. That's sort of the historical part of the movie, which of course also featured a fictional love story between two passengers played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. But the cool part, of course, was the actual sinking of the ship. Thank you. 
I used to hate Titanic, now I love it. I seem to enjoy it more each time I see it. And I would like to see it in theaters again, but this release, re-release at this point, is only for AMC theaters, and there isn't one of those around me. If there is one around you, check the listings on December 1st. It's weird. You like hang out with animals more than people. Yeah, well, animals get me. There's a new trailer this week for yet another movie starring Dwayne Johnson. You can't stop, can't stop the rock! I say another because this year so far he has starred in The Fate of the Furious, Baywatch, he's in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle next month, he also had season three of his HBO series, Ballers. And now, he's in a movie based on the classic arcade game, Rampage. That's what that game sounded like. First released in 1986, it was about a giant gorilla, a giant lizard, and a giant werewolf. Made gigantic by an experimental vitamin, a radioactive lake, and a food additive. You played as the monsters, and your mission was to destroy buildings before the military could bring you down. It was simple, it was smashy, and it was satisfying. So let's find out how they've spun that ridiculous premise into a feature film. I rescued George when he was two years old. George never would have survived on his own. He definitely trusts you. Johnson plays a primatologist who has been caring for George, the albino silverback gorilla, for a long time. He's a gentle, intelligent beast, that is George, but he gets hit by a genetic experiment that makes him big. Last night, George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds. George, you okay, buddy? You're scared. It's okay. This morning, he's nine feet pushing a thousand. Is he the only one? Oh, you didn't know about the 30-foot wolf? Hey, that's Negan from The Walking Dead, a.k.a. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. George, by the way, is going to get a lot bigger. Hell of a day, huh? Science experiments falling from the sky. Having George on that plane is a big mistake. I think we'll be all right. No, you won't. Soon, George the Giant Gorilla and the Giant Wolf are rampaging through the streets of Chicago. George didn't ask for this. They're going to put him down. That's not happening. Rampage the movie actually looks not terrible. It opens April 20th, 2018. And in case you were wondering why there are only two monsters, I was just thinking, the only thing that's missing right now is a giant crocodile. The internet was abuzz this week over a new movie that technically played in some theaters, but is also already available to rent. It's a new movie starring Michael Shannon, a Christmas movie called Pottersville. Hey, Park, you mind doing me a favor? Would you mind closing up tonight, running to the bank? I just want to surprise Connie, you know? Ah! Leonard! Connie? 
What's going on? I think we need to take some time apart and think about what we really want. He caught his wife furrying, which is, oh, shall we say, when two people are titillated to dress up in big furry animal costumes together. And, well, I'm not really sure what they do once they're dressed up. At any rate, it counts as cheating. So what does Michael Shannon do? He gets drunk, puts on a gorilla suit, and walks around the town, and everyone thinks he's a real Bigfoot. I'm here with a local townsfolk who claim to have witnessed what they're calling, well, a Bigfoot sighting. <laughs> And then we realized that we all saw it. And we were like, huh, cool. And somehow he saves Christmas. It looks insane, and honestly, there's actually no mention of Christmas in the trailer. But it is a Christmas movie. What people really can't believe, though, is the cast. There's, besides Michael Shannon, there's Christina Hendricks from Mad Men as his wife, Ian McShane, Ron Perlman, Thomas Lennon are all in it. Each regularly appear in big Hollywood productions. Each must owe the producer of this a favor. Technically, its Rotten Tomato score is zero because there are only two reviews and they're both bad. I gotta admit, it looks weird enough that I really want to watch it. Michael Shannon is often very good. Good, but he is always very interesting, so I think I'm on Bard for Pottersville, which is available however you rent movies. Get your brand new Bigfoot merchandise! Get it while we still have a Bigfoot! What do you mean, why will we still have a Bigfoot? Because of Bart. What about him? He didn't hear? Hmm. They're putting him on Monster Finder. What? Then if you'd like to join us, despite the peril, we could use your own. <laughs> Up next, we'll tell you what is coming to home video, and later Jeff's going to review Justice League. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. We're going to look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. Jeff, where do you want to start? Oh, why don't we start with uh, something on digital HD, the fun for the whole family. My brother! <laughs> yeah. Look at him. Hair would make you better. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one once. <gasps> was it fluffy? It was so fluffy. I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> Despicable Me 3. Yeah. I saw the first one. I liked it. I saw the Minions. That was okay. I haven't seen the second one or this one yet, so maybe one day. I don't remember if I saw Despicable Me 2, which leads me to think I couldn't have seen it. Yeah. Because I... I Saw the first one and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a creative, sort of imaginative. Steve Carell's terrific as this grew. Yeah. Uh, and in small doses, the minions are very fun. Yeah. What did you think? You saw the minions full feature film. Yeah. It was just, it, it was okay, but it was a little of those guys. Goes a long way. Yeah. I can't take too much of them, but I completely understand why the children's are into that. Just looking at the box office totals for Despicable Me 3, I didn't realize. How well it did. I thought it kind of, like, it's domestic, not bad, $264 million, but it made over a billion dollars worldwide. Oh, my gosh. So. There you go. Yeah. That's pretty good. Expect more minions, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. Um, over on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday, you can get hard copies of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, you didn't care for that, huh? It was such a disappointment. It looked, the the visuals looked so stunning, and I like the director. Um 
Luc Besson. Thank you, because the, his name was completely escaping me. But yeah, I, it just he put so much work into it. This is the based on the French comic book that kind of inspired him to do things like The Fifth Element, and he really put his heart and soul into the look of the film. Unfortunately, the story and the acting is pretty bad. It's fun. It's weird. I found though with uh, European-based pop culture phenomenon type things that are, you know, things that are big deal over there, not in England, but the rest of it, it almost never translates in North America. Really? Like Tintin is arguably the biggest comic book character of all time worldwide. Yeah. And that movie did okay, but it certainly didn't, there was going to do two more and they never did. Oh yeah, and that, that's right. And that was with like Steven Spielberg and- uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson and uh, Guillermo del Toro are all each going to direct one. And just, nope, they did the one, and then it just petered out. I, <laughs> I can't see them ever going back to it at this point. So. Okay. Who knows? Also on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard, starring Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson. That did not get very good reviews. No. But I th- it seems like the sort of thing, if it's ever on TV, I'll just watch it. Okay. And uh, over on Netflix, a couple of interesting things. Brian Regan's a favorite comedian of mine. He's got a new special on November 21st. He does clean comedy, too. Everyone can watch that. He's hilarious. And uh, right now, there's a documentary called Jim and Andy the Great Beyond. It's about how Jim Carrey went all in on that uh, Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon, 10, 15 years ago, that whatever it was. So, And this is behind-the-scenes stuff and current interviews about what he did. He didn't break character the whole time they were shooting it. So I'm a big Andy Kaufman fan, too. I'm looking forward to watching that. Up next, Jeff reviews Justice League and Murder on the Orient Express. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I saw a couple of movies this week. Time to talk about them. There's an attack coming. I need warriors. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Yeah. I need friends. On my lead. Let's do it. My turn. Dressed like a bat. You really are out of your mind. I'm not the one who brought a pitchfork. <laughs> Justice League. A superhero movie in which a bunch of superheroes team up to fight an alien invasion and to keep the interstellar bad guy away from a magic box long buried on Earth that would give him unstoppable power. But enough about the Avengers. Let's talk about Justice League, which literally has the same plot. It's so weird. I mean, I guess it's all from the comic books, but it's weird that Zack Snyder and company chose the same story, isn't it? Am I missing something? The movie actually is missing something, I think. Now, they were forced to keep this movie at two hours length by the studio, an attempt to cut down on the complaints that the DC superhero movies are too long. Well, as nice as it was to be out of there after two hours, I do wish it had been a little longer so as to better explain a few things. I was pretty in the weeds about Cyborg all throughout. Uh, More on the background of Aquaman would have been welcome, same with The Flash, and I think they intended to flesh out those things better, but, you know, had their hands tied by the studio, so like Batman vs. Superman, we can probably expect a longer edition to be part of a home video release in a few months. I actually just watched that three-hour version of Batman vs. Superman in the past week, and it actually was quite a bit better than the theatrical version. It was just really long. So, in Justice League, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman question mark return and meet some new hero friends. Ezra Miller as The Flash, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, and Ray Fisher as Cyborg. He's a half-human, half-robot, if, like me, you'd never heard of him before. Also new this time out, J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, the most underused character almost of any movie. It's a total waste of J.K. Simmons. Kieran Hines plays the bad guy Steppenwolf. That's why I chose that music, by the way. He's just the voice of Steppenwolf. 
uh, Steppenwolf is all CGI. He's this very tall, horned creature beast. He's from outer space or another dimension or something. He's come to Earth in search of the Mother Boxes, like the Infinity Stones in the Avengers. And if he can gather them all, they'll make him super powerful, like the Infinity Stones in the Avengers. So the Avengers, I mean the Justice League, has to stop him. Uh, I don't want to get too specific, but at one point, one of these Mother Boxes, I don't think they ever explained the name, by the way, is it's left so comically unguarded that Steppenwolf deserved an automatic win and the right to destroy us all. I was just like, are you kidding me? They're supposed to be protecting these things, and that one's one of them is just like just sitting there. Oh, that was weird. Overall, while Justice League is actually pretty good, it's not great, and it feels I think extra disappointing because a we know how good superhero movies can be because other ones are really good, and b how did they you know not learn the lessons of Batman versus Superman and fix everything that was broken? This does have a lighter tone, but it still struggles awfully hard to have any real heart. Wonder Woman helps a bit as she had the great movie of the batch. Uh, Earlier this year. Uh, Cyborg, though, I thought was sort of a garbage character I didn't care about. Aquaman was very two-dimensional. The Flash really only registered as comic relief. Again, forcing this shorter running time likely forced the scene showing the humanity of these newer characters to hit the cutting room floor. There's stuff I want to say about Superman, but I honestly don't know what counts as a spoiler, so I won't say anything. The bad guy, Steppenwolf, was... Not in any of the trailers that I recall. Do you remember seeing him in any of the trailers? Just for uh, like a second. Okay. I thought maybe it's because because he was all CGI that maybe they just hadn't finished the CGI. Uh, that stuff usually takes up until the last minute. And they, they still could have used more time because he sort of looked half-baked CGI-wise to me. And I'm not a fan of an all-CGI bad guy anyways because no matter how good you can do it, I don't think it'll ever truly cut it because you just know in the back of your mind that it's fake. And when there's a lot of CGI heroes fighting CGI bad guys, that's eh, rarely that interesting to watch. Um, my other big complaint is was the music. Danny Elfman scored this movie, and while he has many great soundtracks to his name, this will not be one of them. It just sounded like house generic music, just bland and nothing. I did catch a hint of the old John Williams Superman music from the 70s, right at the very beginning. Um, Elfman says his Batman music is in it as well, but I didn't notice that. I did wish the Hans Zimmer Superman theme from the last couple of movies was in it, but it's not. Um, complaints aside, though, there was some good stuff. A terrific Batman scene at the beginning, for one. I like... Uh, ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Jeremy Irons I like as Alfred as well. All the Batman stuff is cool. Wonder Woman also gets uh, her own action scene at the beginning, which is awesome. Those two are great. I hope Affleck does a Batman standalone movie eventually, and I wouldn't mind if Gal joined him. Aquaman was kind of cool. The Flash again, funny. Uh, won't get into too many spoilers, but Flash finds out he's not the only fast person out there in a very funny scene. And overall, uh, it was a pretty good story. I don't think it's really the mess that a lot of reviews suggest maybe it is. I do think that these DC movies are under a more powerful microscope because nerds do that in general, and there have been some truly great superhero movies, so everyone knows it can be done. Again, it's disappointing when these movies sort of turn out average, which is what we have here. So three couch cushions out of five for the Justice League. Very good. Well, yeah, yeah that's a comprehensive. I still want to go see it. And actually, no, yeah. this makes me want to see it even more because I was kind of wondering, based on some of the other reviews, do I really need to bother? But now I will bother. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would by no means discourage people from going to see it. Just don't expect it to be your favorite superhero movie ever. Yeah. But it's not bad. I saw another movie that I like quite a bit more this week. It's oh. called A Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I see evil on this train. 
passenger has died. The murderer is with us. And every one of you is a suspect. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I am probably the greatest detective in the world. Murder on the Orient Express, starring Kenneth Branagh, who also directed the movie. It's based on the Agatha Christie novel from 80 years ago, and it also stars Daisy Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr., Penelope Cruz, Josh Gad, Derek Jacoby, Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, Olivia Coleman, Willem Dafoe, and Jonathan Depp. Um... <laughs> And I didn't even find figure out until after the movie that it was Daisy Ridley in it. I guess I've only seen her in Star Wars, and you know, here she was dressed up like a fancy lady in the 1930s. So, and I spent the whole movie thinking, "Who is that?" I know her, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So, minor face blindness distracted me a little bit, but not much. I was fully enthralled as the mystery unfolded. The basic premise is this. All these people I mentioned are on a fancy train called the Orient Express as it winds through Europe. They're up in the mountains when the train derails. They're fine, but they're also stuck there for a couple of days. And then they discover that in the night, one of them had been murdered. Kenneth Branagh is Hercule Poirot, probably the greatest detective in the world, and he investigates the murder. I won't get into it beyond that. You start you start off knowing nothing about anyone or anything, and by the end, you've seen quite the story unfold in front of you. I enjoyed it immensely, loved watching the, the story as a, sort of the peel the onion away from everything. Uh, you may be familiar with the ending. It is a famous ending to the whodunit. I knew it going in, and it still didn't ruin it for me at all. I still dug it when it was revealed. Uh, my girlfriend had no idea what the ending was, and it blew her mind, so mission accomplished there. Uh, the movie looks terrific. The murder aside, it actually made me want to take a luxury train vacation. The set does Designed top shelf. Um, it's funny because when the book was written in the 30s, it was contemporary. Now, obviously, it's a period piece. And they nailed it. The costumes, everything. The train is very much a character, so it was important to put in the effort there. The setting is also important. They're stranded sort of atop a snow-peaked mountain, and they're also on a, like a bridge that's by a tunnel. There's just nowhere to run. Uh, maybe the biggest draw, though, after the clever plot is Poirot himself. To say he is odd is an understatement. He's from the Sheldon Cooper, Sherlock Holmes school of obnoxiously smart men with really bad social games. If he's speaking to someone with a crooked tie, he straightens it because he can't bear to look at it. He says, nitpicking everything about everyone is made for a miserable life, but it is useful in solving crimes. And they wring a lot of humor out of it. Unlike, say, Sheldon Cooper, he doesn't really have any close friends because you can't really be friends with someone that irritating. Brana nails the comedy. It's a real joy to watch. His accent and ridiculous mustache are over the top, but you sort of need that in a movie that's otherwise mostly stationary. I mean, a stuck train and a bunch of interrogations that could feel pretty stagnant after a while. So having Poirot there keeps things interesting. My only grudge is a lot of the characters besides him aren't terribly interesting. They serve the story, but they often don't stand out beyond that. And I mean, it is a plot-based movie, not a character movie. You, you wish it was both. I sort of figured that going in. I mean, most mysteries are mostly just concerned about the mystery much more than anything else. Any lagging on that front, though, was made up by the ending, which I, I wish I could talk about it, but I won't. It's, it's just good stuff. All in, a nice little movie, not the sort of thing you see too often, which is always welcome. And there is a hint of a sequel at the very end. I hope it sort of ends up making enough money that Brana can come back for a second round of this, because there's a whole series of books. Uh, four couch cushions out of five for Murder on the Orient Express. Sweet. Now I want to go see that even more as well. Thank you very yeah. much, Jeff Brana. Up next, I will tell you if you should watch The Handmaid's Tale. Spoiler alert, yes. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. If you've ever listened to this program, you know that we watch a lot of television. And I often plan to watch more than I can ever make time for. Jeff, is this a problem you experience as well? This is a very much a problem I experience. I have anxiety over it on a regular basis. I've got a list of stuff to watch and it only ever gets longer. Yeah, so I end up recording shows that I just never get to. Well, and then I eventually just kind of have to delete them. You sort of accept defeat and just... Purge them from your PVR and move on. So that's what happened to me earlier this year in April. The American streaming service Hulu debuted a new show which was picked up in Canada by Bravo. I heard great things about it, so I recorded the first handful of episodes. But I just couldn't motivate myself to watch them, so I deleted them. And then I instantly regretted it because many of my coworkers couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. And then went on to clean house at the Emmys, winning eight awards, including Best Drama, and every time I sit down and wonder, what should I watch? I think about this show. This week, I finally started The Handmaid's Tale. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. The law now. Based on the 1985 novel from Canadian author Margaret Atwood, Elizabeth Moss is the main star of this series, which is set in a dystopic world where the Republic of Gilead is now in place of what was most of the United States of America. It's a military, religious dictatorship, and in this country, things are horrible for women at varying levels of sucktitude. For example, women aren't even allowed to read anymore. It's just ridiculous. And it especially sucks for the handmaids. You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. The birth rate is declining badly to the point where most women are infertile, most women, those who can still bear children, like Elizabeth Moss's character, Offred, become handmaids. It has an incredible cast. The aforementioned Elizabeth Moss, who won Best Actress at the Emmys. Anne Dowd, who won Best Supporting Actress. Alexis Bledel, yeah, she won Best Guest Actress. Samira Wiley, who was in, uh, my, from what I understand, Orange is a New Black. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It also stars Yvonne Strahovski, who played a spy on the nerdy NBC show Chuck a few years back, which I adored. She was also in Dexter. She's been in lots of stuff. And Joseph Fiennes plays Offred's Commander. Yeah, Shakespeare in love. Oh, so, yeah, he was Shakespeare. Oh, <laughs> okay. He was also Michael Jackson in that uh, never that thing that never happened. <laughs> yeah. I would also say uh, Leftovers fans were excited for Ann Dowd because she was in the Leftovers, and we all thought she should have won Emmys for that. Oh, perfect. Well, I can see why she is just extraordinary. It's a ten episode season. I'm only four episodes in. You can definitely believe the hype. Thankfully for me, I've not read the book or seen the 1990 film adaptation, so I'm blissfully ignorant to how the story turns out. We only wanted to make the world better. Better? Better never means better for everyone. Remember your scripture. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who suffer for the cause of righteousness. 
So to watch The Handmaid's Tale, since I dumped it off of my PVR when it first aired on TV, I had to download Crave TV. I downloaded the app on my phone. More on that in a moment. Now, the pilot episode for The Handmaid's Tale, one of the most intense episodes of television I've watched all year, and so far as a whole, it is one of the most emotionally demanding shows I have ever seen. I find myself consistently angry, sad, outraged, helpless, happy for just a moment, then angry again. It is a decidedly dark series that is gut-wrenching on a near constant basis. And that's an interesting thing for me to enjoy, seeing how I kind of hated that about season seven of The Walking Dead. But the difference is The Walking Dead is an escapist show about a zombie apocalypse that takes itself way too seriously, whereas The Handmaid's Tale is meant to be dark and serious, and it it kind of could happen. You know, it's, I mean, obviously a huge stretch that requires the absolute worst in humanity, but, you know, human beings are capable of terrible cruelty, and it's on display all the time in this show. And thanks to all of the excellent performances, you feel every moment right through your soul. Elizabeth Moss, perfect as a woman just trying to survive her ordeal and find and maintain the strength to do it. And Dowd is terrifying as the disciplinarian monster Aunt Lydia, that's what they call her sort of rank of women. They're all ants. Yvonne Strahovski is mean and cruel, and yet she kind of makes you feel for her until she reminds you of why you hate her. The Handmaid's Tale is television at its finest. It will for sure be in my top ten this year. Now I just need to figure out what I have to dump to make room. I'll have to go back to uh, July when I counted my top ten of 2017 so far. I'm excited to watch the remaining six episodes. I will report back on that next week. As far as Crave TV is concerned, you get one month for free on a trial. After that, it's like eight bucks a month. They've got a website, cravetv.ca, so you can watch it there. Or you can do like me, use the app on your phone. I've got the Google Chromecast, and this app uh, is Chromecast compatible, that being Crave TV. Unlike Amazon Amazon Prime, which did not work on my Chromecast, you know, you can use a tablet, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TVs, many options. Sign up, watch the show, and then you can opt out of the streaming service without paying anything, which is probably what I'm going to do. LOL, Jeff. LOL. You're such a jerk. (laughs) So that's all the time we have. All right. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Always free. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.